Thank you, worship teams, combining together into the choir. We'll have to have you back in a few minutes. Actually, there's another one that we're going to do at the end, right? Or you guys are going to do. I tried to join, but Michael wouldn't let me. So, uh, and I think you probably don't want me to join in as well, but um, wow, you know, um, God is God is definitely moving in, in a lot of different ways, and you know, I was, I was thinking about the, that this week and, and even this morning, just the way that God's moving in, in different ways through worship and, and through our fellowship and, and just through um, Shamey in here and, and just different things that, that God's showing us, different perspectives and, and all that. But I was just thinking earlier this week, what a rich month this has been in, in so many ways. I mean, at a surface level, we had snow um, and maybe you were excited, but I grew up in snow, so that doesn't always excite me. But it, it's good. I like Greensboro snow because it melts fairly quickly. Um, but we had snow, and maybe you got to go sledding. You got a couple of days off of work. You got to stay home and, and cuddle up maybe on the couch or something. But we've just had so many other things. This time of prayer and fasting um, has been real timely. It's, it was stretching. You know, when I felt like the Lord was, was directing us that way, I was kind of like, Lord, really? It's, it's, do we really have to fast again? Not that we fast a lot, but just, you know, this is the fast I felt like God was doing something and, and really moving. I think he always is, but I think there was just a, an embracing of coming into this fast that, that maybe we haven't had in the past um, with some of the others. We had Dr. Nelson in, and just a timely word that he gave us, just trying to discern what season are we in um, as believers and as individuals, but also as a church, what season are we in? And, and you know, some seasons might be overlapping in different ways. We, we've had prayer, amazing prayer on Wednesday nights, just prayer where, where I'm kind of bouncing out the door because I'm just ready to go conquer the world and, and take the world because, because we're praying just beautiful prayers. And I don't know if you say that necessarily, but just powerful prayers. Just It's just great just to pray with other believers um, we've had, you know, a good vision meeting. We, there's been other things going on. And so, you know, when I pause for a moment, I want us all to pause here the moment. Uh, we can see God moving. I think God is always moving, but sometimes we don't always see that because we have blinders on or an- antennas aren't up or, or sometimes we're just in a little bit of a fog or a haze. And, um, you know, when I, when I travel and when I fly, a lot of times um, when you look at the weather, you're always looking at visibility because I want to make sure my pilot can see quite a long ways, because I know they can instrument fly, but it's always better if they, they, they can see. And so, you know, when you see visibility like half a mile, you really can't see that far. But when you see it like 10, 20, 30 miles, you know, it's a clear day. And so, you know, for me, one of the things personally getting, coming out of this fast is just a lifting of maybe of a haze or a fog. And I think even as a church, the last few months um, of the last year, we were in a little bit of a fog, a little bit of a haze. We were doing things, and, and things had kind of hit us in different ways, almost like we have been punched in the stomach in certain ways. There had been some challenges. There had been relational challenges. Some people were dealing with financial challenges. Some were dealing with health challenges. There's been a number of things, and I felt like we were, we've just kind of been going around a little bit in a haze or a fog. Just, and, and when you talk about that, it's more just going through some of the motions. But as we come through this fast, I think God has kind of lifted the, the haze and the fog just a little bit. And, and I appreciate what Craig said about habits. You know, um, sometimes when we finish a time of prayer and fasting, it's easy just to slip back into the, into the habits. Um, you know, one of the things I gave up was coffee. Just because in the morning, it's the first thing I think about a lot of times when I get out of bed. And I can't wait to get that cup of coffee and sit down with my phone. 
and, ch- and catch up on the news or, or catch up on, on uh, sports or something like that. And I thought, yeah, I need to get rid of that and really plug into God in that time. The first thing. But this week I found myself slipping back. I didn't slip and drink any coffee, but I just kind of felt myself slipping back into some old habits. I'm like, no, no. First and foremost, I need to put the Lord first. And I think when we do this, the haze and the fog begins to kind of separate and blow away. There's a wind. The wind of the Holy Spirit begins to allow certain things um, to blow away, and we can see that much more clear. Um, two things. Um, I'm, I'm really getting to a place here in a moment I want to share with you, but just two things that I feel like the Lord has, has been speaking to us as a church, and, and it's, it's come out numerous times already, is one is having a greater commitment to Him. Um, you know, seek first the kingdom of God, putting aside some of the distractions, coming with our first fruits, reading the word, praying, loving others, serving others, all these things, but that we would put him first. And the second thing is, is I'm a little bit more excited about than the first thing, um, but I'm excited about both, is just this idea of breaking off limits. You know, the year 2017, I believe, is a year of victory, but just breaking off limits. Some of these dreams that, that we've dreamed that maybe have, have kind of been pushed to the side or we felt like they've died, I believe the Lord is resurrecting them. God-given dream's not just a dream to have a, a 16 you know room house or something like that. if it's the Lord, then that's fine. but, but God-given dreams and purposes and callings that are there within our hearts that maybe we've just kind of stepped to the side a little bit because of business of life or distractions or, or other things. I've been reading this book called Chase the Lion, Mark Batterson. Who's a, who's a pastor up in Washington, D.C., National uh, Community Church. Um, he's a regent grad like myself, and, and um, I, one of his staff pastors and I had a class together, so he gave me some insight in, into the church, and, and just an amazing church in Washington, D.C., and, and a lot of what they're doing there. But Chase the Line is based on a couple of verses out of Samuel, 2 Samuel 23, Beniah. Beniah was, was basically the chief bodyguard of Solomon. He was a bodyguard of David. And it says that uh, out of the 30 men, that he held a special place out of David's 30 mighty men. But it says that, um, very, very quick um, mention of him in the Bible, it basically says that he killed a couple warriors from, from Gath, I believe, and then he chased a lion into a pit on a snowy day and killed that lion. And then the premise of the book, which has really got me, is, but I could have simply gone home. I said, man, that's a lion. That's a 500-pound beast. I'm going to go home and play it. Safe. It's snowing. I mean, that's hot cocoa day right there. You know, that's, that's get some snow off the ground and make some snow cream. But he said, no, I'm going to go into the pits. God had already prepared him with gifts and talents and the ability. But he perceives something. That lion may come back and cause problems. Or he perceived that maybe if I show that I'm valiant like this then, and, and, and brave, then, then it's part of God's plan to raise me up and promote me more into my calling. We see this throughout the Bible, but he chased the line into the lion's end. And that's really spoken to me about dreams and things that we go after. So many times we put God in a box. We put ourselves in a box. I can't do this because I don't have the time, I don't have the money, I don't have this, I don't have that. That was one of my biggest things about going to seminary. I don't have the time, don't have the money. I came out debt-free. The Lord provided. I have no student loans. And I I still look back, I don't know how that happened. It's just, you know, I'd I'd see my bill and there would be a scholarship I didn't even apply for or something. I'm like, okay, we'll take it. That is God. He provides. But when we get him outside the box, and, 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 and I believe God wants us to break off the limits on our own selves, but also upon this church as well, some limits that we put upon us as a church. 
But I believe, you know, when, when we talk about committing to the Lord and we talk about breaking off limits, we talk about stepping into God's calling, there's always one foundational thing that, that it, we need to make sure it's solid in our lives. We need to make sure that we know who we are in Christ, this identity. Because if we don't know who we are, then it's going to cause some problems. If we don't know that we're um, sons of God, that we're, we're, he calls us sons, he calls us his daughters, if we don't know that he's faithful when we're not faithful, if we don't know about his grace and that we can approach the throne of grace with boldness and with confidence, it affects our relationship. It affects how we act. It affects our purpose. It affects whether we go into the lion's den or we don't go into the lion's den. It affects the way that we operate. And I think as a church as well, it affects the way that, that a church um, comes together. And so this morning, what I want to share is just who we are kind of as PIC. And, and, you know, when I was thinking through some of these, um, let me back up a second. Um, when we talk about these characteristics this morning, these are who we are already. And the way that, that they've kind of come about is um, Craig and I were at a conference um, at Kings Park International Church in Durham back in June, and, and uh, we heard a speaker talking about kind of some house habits is, is the phrase that they use, just characteristics within the church. And we started talking about it like, who are we as a church? In August, um, the elders, we started talking like, who are we as a church? What are our qualities? What are our strengths? And what are some of our weaknesses as well? And, and we begin to talk through a series of, of who we are and, and who people say we are, people who are members, people who visit, people who, who visit um, from time to time that we have in as guest speakers and all. And these things begin to kind of come out. Our focus values of, is what we're calling them. But before we get to that, I just want to um, kind of give you an example. And, and I didn't ask Josiah for permission, but, uh, but I'm going to talk about him here for a, for a moment. I'm going to brag on him for a second, but also talk about the challenge that, that is there as well, because all my kids are responsible. I know Nathan's in the room hiding in the back in the tech booth, and, and both my boys are very responsible. You know, they wash their own clothes. We don't have to say anything. They wear uniforms. They have, I don't know how many uniform shirts and pants, but not a lot. They don't have, they don't have two weeks' worth. They probably have enough for a week, but, you know, they have to wash their own clothes. They fold their own clothes. They put up their own clothes. Sometimes they need a little prodding with that, but for the most part, they do it. They, they unload the dishwasher. They, they do a lot of things in the house with reminders and sometimes without reminders, but, but I, I was talking to Josiah back in December maybe is, look, responsibility is one thing, to do what you're called to do, but sometimes you have to go above and beyond the responsibility. You see the trash can is full, even though it may not be your job or something you normally do, grab the trash bag and take it out and put a new trash bag in. So one day I went outside, it was trash day the next day, and, and you know, I usually roll them up or I'll ask the boys, you know, if it's cold and it's, it's night and I got my shoes off, I'm like, hey, Josiah, why don't you roll the trash cans up? Because I don't want to do it. I'm telling you my secret right here. <laughs> so I went out and the trash cans were missing. And my first thought was, oh, we've been robbed. Someone stole our trash cans. Because they don't move unless I move them. And I'm thinking, who would steal these two good quality trash cans? Who wants the cardboard and the pizza boxes and all that stuff? And so I was just thinking, like, oh. So I looked up our driveway, and they were sitting on the street, the brown one and the green one, side by side, perfectly spaced, right against the curb. Trash truck has no problems picking them up. And I'm thinking, well, maybe Carrie did this. I mean, that, she never does this because I've told her, don't worry about it, I'll do it. So I come in and ask her, uh, Carrie, did you do this? No. Nathan happened to be in the room. Nathan, did you do this? No. And it dawned on me at that point that Josiah had done it. 
So I went upstairs in our foyer, and, and he was playing a little basketball in our foyer. And I said, hey, Josiah, come here. And we looked out the window, and I said, look at the curb. Someone took the trash cans out. And he got this big old grin, and I just gave him a big hug. You know, and, and, and that's the response to me challenging him to be more responsible. This morning, when you talk about focus values, this is who we are as a church. But in the same way, there is a challenge here for us to grow and go beyond these values. There's always areas that we need to grow in. And I meant to give these to the ushers earlier that they pass out. But um, will you guys maybe pass these out real quick? But, but what I want to talk about um, is really six qualities that I see who we are as a church. There, you know, there's core values that, that definitely embody us above and beyond this. But when I say focus values, these are things that I believe the elders, we believe over the next year, two years, or, or even beyond, things that we're going to focus on, things that become more of our DNA, things that become who we are, because they're already who we are, but they're more in front of us. There's, there are things that we're talking about, things that we're growing in as well. And, you know, Matthew 5, verses 39 through 41, Jesus talks about going above and beyond what we've been called to do, basically. He says, if someone strikes you on one cheek, turn and give them the other cheek. If someone uh, wants some clothes, give them your clothes. Give them, give them your extra um, clothing. But it also says, if a Roman soldier asks you to go one mile, go two miles. And so we want to go above and beyond what we've been called to do, above and beyond what we're already doing. And so we have six of these things, and, and you know, the idea is that we're going to keep these before us. You know, just continue, not nagging in some ways, but just to continue to, to be a reminder, hey, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is why we do it. And even when people ask you, tell me about your church, these are things you begin to say. Hey, we love big. Hey, we live on. Hey, we do this and this and this. And so I know Nathan's going to be switching back between the PowerPoint, which you, you have the, the stuff before you and, and the different verses. But let's talk about we live big. You know, First John, or we love big, sorry. We love big. We live big as well. We can live big, right? That's the seventh one. We can, <laughs> subliminal, but you know, all these kind of, all these kind of overlap and, and intertwingle and, and intermingle and, and twine together and woven together, whatever. All this stuff kind of comes together. Intertwinkle together. <laughs> Who say we can't have fun in church? So we love big. First John 4.19 basically says we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. In a song that we sang this morning forever kind of embodies that, that we love because Christ chose to love us. Romans tells us that we were his enemy, that we were running from God, that we were rebellious, that we were sinful, that we're enemies of God, all these things. And God came to love us. He loved big. He didn't just phone it in from heaven. You know, um, hey, here's the way that the Messiah is going to come, and it's not going to be me, but I'm going to do it a different way. And funny that you said there's two different Messiahs in, in a lot of thought. I've heard that before, too. You know, he didn't just sit in heaven. He came. He humbled himself. He took on flesh. He felt everything that we have felt. He went through every temptation that we will ever go through. And he didn't just stop there. He went to the cross. He laid his life down for us. He gave it all. And so we want to be men and women who love big. The two greatest commandments, as Jesus said, uses the word love. Love the Lord God basically with everything, your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. Love your neighbors yourself. There's love that is there. 
And so, you know, comments that I get a lot of times when people visit is, hey, this is a very loving church. This is an engaging church. People talk to me. People, people you know, have, have, you know, just been interested in my life along those lines. But we also need to grow in this area. Love to me is what trumps it all. Scripture says that. You can have faith. You can have, you know, all these angelic things going on. You can do miracles. But if you don't have love, you're just a sounding gong. You're just, you're just making a bunch of, of strange, annoying noise. We want to love big. And, and, and we're going to talk more throughout the year and, and, and week to week and month to month how we apply these things. But we want to love God in a big way. That's one of the things we've been talking about, the fast, the commitment. Love him in a new way. Love him in a fresh way. Love him by pushing aside these distractions and be committed to him. But we want to love others as well, people who are like us, people who are not like us, to allow it to stretch us in, in ways that it needs to stretch us. But we love big. The second one focus value is we live on. And I love this story in, in 1 Samuel it talks about um, Israel and kind of where they were in, in some oppression with the Philistines. And Samuel, and, and basically, we live on, we, we want to be men and women of, of faith. That when we face challenges and we face obstacles and we face God moving us in directions where we're not sure why he's moving us in that direction, that we don't just stop. And, and say, well, God, I'm not moving until till you do this, or, or have a pity party, or just have our head down. But we, we move in faith. We live forward knowing that God's doing something. Now, Israel had come to that place where they had had a pity party for about 20 years because they'd been under Philistine um, oppression and, and slavery. And, and finally, they came to a place and they said, like, we've had enough of this. And, and picking up in, in, um, in verse 2, it says, Time went by until 20 years had passed since the ark had been taken and the whole house of Israel began to seek the Lord. It took them 20 years. Hopefully it won't take us 20 years. But we'll, we'll, we'll understand, hey, we live on. So when we face challenges and we face obstacles, we continue to cling to the Lord. We continue to turn to the Lord. Samuel, um, verse 3, Samuel told them, If you're returning to the Lord with all your heart, get rid of the foreign gods. Verse 4, So Israel removed the bells and the asteroids and only, only worshiped the Lord. So Samuel gathered everyone at Mizpah, and they began to declare a fast. Samuel said, rededicate yourself to the Lord. Verse 7, when the Philistines heard that the Israelites had gathered, their rulers marched up towards Israel. When the Israelites heard about it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. Look, when we live on, doesn't mean we're not going to have fear at times. But here's what Samuel's response was. The Israelites said to Samuel, don't start crying out um, to the Lord for, for our God. The Israelites were asking Samuel, continue to cry out so, the, so that the Philistines save us from the hand, or so that he will save us from the hand of the Philistines. And so they continued to cry out and ask Samuel to cry out before the Lord. And in verse 12, afterwards Samuel took a stone because he delivered Israel that day. There was a thunder in the sky and the Philistines got scared and they ran and um, they were able to plunder and, and overcome the Philistines. And in verse 12, Samuel took a stone and set it upright between Mizpah and Shin, and he named it Ebenezer, explaining, the Lord has helped us to this point. And so, you know, Ebenezer, the Lord is my stone or the Lord is my help. And so we live on in all these situations. 
that, you know, there's things that want to kind of oppress us at times. It could be something in a relationship. It could be something emotionally. It could be something that, of a challenge, a health challenge. Things that, that when we face this or even dreams that we think are impossible because we don't have the resources, we're not in the right place. There's times when we say, okay, this is as far as I can go. And the Lord wants us to live on through that. There's going to be these hardships and these challenges, these trials that we face. And I've seen too many Christians come to that place and just kind of throw the towel in and say, okay, this is it. But the Lord says, no, we live on. We live through this. And the example here is, is that we don't, we don't admit defeats. We know there's going to be these challenges, but we choose to prosper. We choose to be faithful. We choose to fight. We choose to be relentless. We live on. Number three is we want to protect unity. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. says, Therefore God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, accepting one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, put on love, the perfect bond of unity. Again, there's love. We love big. It's the perfect bond of unity. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 6. It says, Therefore, I, the prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you've received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. And I, and I just want to say this, that in any church, if a church is, is all the same group ethnically, all white church, all black church, all Hispanic church, there's, there's issues with unity because the enemy wants to divide. And we've talked about this very openly, but even how much more for us as a church that's multi-ethnic, multicultural. There's going to be even more things, but we've got to protect unity. It doesn't mean we, we sweep stuff under the rug. It means we have conversations. We, we listen. We, we seek understanding. But we keep the main thing the main thing, which is Christ. We keep the gospel as the main thing. And the love and the grace that weaves all our hearts together has to be there. You know, Paul says to the Corinthians, just as one body, though, uh, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we're all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we're all given one spirit to drink. You know, we want to we protect unity. We want to be unified. We want to understand, hey, there are differences, but also there's a great witness and a great light that comes when we walk in unity together. It's something that we have to continue to work at. We can't just say, hey, we're unified and things are good, but we're constantly working at being um, in unity together but also as we go out into the world what a witness it, it, it speaks to those around us verse or number four is we live intentionally ephesians 5 verse 15 and 16 paul says pay careful attention then to how you walk not as unwise people but as wise making the most of time or the time and, and Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. We're people who are on purpose, with purpose, and for a purpose. A soldier doesn't get caught up in civilian things 
because he wants to please the recruiter, the one who is enlisted. We've been enlisted by Christ. He is the one who's brought us into his kingdom through his grace as we believe by faith. He is the one who is leading us. And we want to be on focus with the mission of God, with the gospel of God. We choose to love God. We choose to love others. We're intentional about these things. We pray. We read the word. We live by faith. We dream big. There's things that we're going to be intentional about. There's other things we're, we're not going to be as intentional about because they, just, they don't matter in some ways. Philippians 3.14, Paul says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. We keep the gospel before us. We want to be you know, multi-ethnic. We want to make disciples. We want to build community. We want to be a church that reaches out and, and loves people. We want to be a church that worships, that serves. These are things that we be, we're intentional about. Number five is we worship passionately. Now this word passionate or passionately, a lot of times we, we think about um, romance. You know, passionately pursuing someone or being in a romantic relationship involves some kind of passion in some ways. And really it, it does. Passion means to have a strong feeling or belief about something. And at the very core of this is Matthew 2, 37, which says love the Lord God with everything. Your heart, your mind, your strength, and your soul. That's the passion. We want to worship him passionately. Worship is different or is more than what we do here. This is just a form of worship, but our life is worship. You know, we, we've looked at, at this in the past, work and worship in, in the Old Testament. They're, they're, they're derived from the same word, the same Hebrew word. So work is worship. Worship is work. The way we recreate is worship. The way that, that we engage and talk, the, everything that we do is a form of worship. David, is, as they brought the Ark of the Covenant into, the, into Jerusalem, it says, And David danced before the Lord with all his might. 2 Samuel 6, 14. And his wife got mad at him because David was exposing himself. You know, you think about exposing yourself, there's, there's shame. It's why we cover up if, if you think about it. But David, he was dancing uninhibited before the Lord. He basically was saying, look, I don't care what people see. I don't care what people think. And how does that relate to us as we worship passionately with our life, with our work or, or the way that we live or, or the, even the way that we engage those who don't know God is it doesn't matter. There's no shame in that. It means, hey, I'm a believer. Yes, I'm a Christian, and I'm not shameful of that. I, you know, sometimes we back away from that because we don't want to be labeled a Jesus freak or, or we don't want to be you know, um, labeled a certain way, put in a box or whatever it may be. But like, let's live our lives. I, I, the Lord has, has put it out there for you to worship passionately before him with the way that, that we love. And the last one is we serve genuinely. Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Philippians talks about how Christ came in humility. He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. And he humbled himself and he's laid his life down. This idea of servants, of servanthood and, and being a servant. In Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, you know, one was given five, one was given two, and one was given one talent. And the one who had five and the one who had two, they came back to the master. And they said, look, master, here you gave me two or you gave me five it's doubled, basically. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, what they did, the five and the two, what they did was not to please other people or to show other people what they had done. It was to please the master. And the way that we serve is we serve genuinely. We serve with the master's um, heart in mind, 
that we want to we satisfy the master. We want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. We don't necessarily care about what other people think. We don't care if we get the praises. It's nice to get praises sometimes, but it's all to the glory of God. We serve because Christ served and he laid his life down for us. We serve genuinely, not seeking titles, not, not looking to satisfy anyone else but the master. So this is who we are already. We already love big. We already live on. We already, um, whatever number three is, <laughs> I forgot what number three is. We protect unity. We already live intentionally. We already worship passionately. And we serve genuinely. But the Lord is stretching us to do this in even greater capacity. For us as individuals, but as a church. It means sometimes there's comforts, there's things that we're doing that we've got to stop doing. And there's things that we're not doing that we've got to begin to do. There's things that, that you know, we've kind of just become passive at times. Things that we've said, well, you know, that's the Lord's sovereignty. will take care of that. The Lord's in control of that. But he's wanting to use us to be an instrument. And we just said, no, nah, I don't think so. The Lord is stretching us to love bigger. He's stretching us to live on in, in greater capacity. He's stretching us to be protectors of unity. He's stretching us to live in a more intentional way. He's stretching us to worship Him in a more passionate way. And He's stretching us to serve Him more genuinely. Church, I believe if we embrace these in greater ways, we're already doing it, but if we embrace these, and there's concerted effort going forward that this is, this is who we are and this is why we do it, the impact of this church, the impact of this body is going to be beyond measure. It's already there. We just can't always see it. But it's going to be beyond measure. We already see it in Highland Park, at Dartmouth Court. When, when, when you go and you talk to the residents at, at Dartmouth, they know us and they know we pray. They know that we're there serving. They know these things. And it makes an impact. How much more when we go out and we deliver cookies or we go out and, and we do service projects, or we go out and, and, and we go do worship services, as Michael was talking about last week, going out and, and worshiping in the park and, and drawing people in. But how much more does it begin to affect us as well, to transform us? Our goal, as we've talked about many times, is that we would be transformed more and more and more into the image of God. How much as a church, how much more as a church do we become transformed into the image of God? How much brighter does our light shine out into the world? PSC, we have an opportunity. We've, we, there's a mission before us, and we have an opportunity to step into it in greater ways. I read this quote this week that said, you know, at the end of life, we don't always regret our mistakes as much as we regret the missed opportunities. You know, we can look back and, and say, man, I, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. It was a mistake. But, but the things that sometimes weigh more on us are the things that we didn't do, the opportunities we let slide by. And I believe as, as we've come through this fast, as we've come into this year, there are opportunities before us. And that God is speaking to us, not just as a church, but as individuals. And I want to challenge you as, as individuals just to, just to seek God and say, God, where are you stretching me? God, where are you calling me to kind of love a little bit bigger? Lord, what areas of my life have I not necessarily been living on and through? I've just kind of thrown in the hat, just kind of crossed my arms. What areas am I not necessarily protecting unity where I may be set beside, on the sidelines with my arm crossed and like, uh, that'll get taken care of? What areas have I not lived intentionally that I haven't got out of bed this morning or in the morning and say, Lord, use me today where I've said, Lord, I just hope I can get back in this bed this evening. How many times 
You know, have, have we just kind of said, well, you know, worship is something we do on Sunday morning. You know, my work is not worship. I'm just going to kind of grumble and complain. How many times have we said, you know, I'm just going to kind of phone it in in terms of serving? The Lord is stretching us. And as we continue to talk about these, I hope these continue to stretch us. And that we look back at the end of, of March, and we look back and say, wow, we see growth in these areas. We look back at the end of July, we see growth. We look back in December, we see growth. Where we're loving bigger, where we're living on, where we're doing these things in greater capacity. Pastor Nelson, or Dr. Nelson, when he was here, he challenged us to bear fruit. To go from bearing you know, no fruit in certain seasons, to more fruit, to much fruit. And to me, it's a transition or it's a challenge to us from, from bearing some fruit or, or more fruit or much fruit to, to more fruit to the most fruit. And it doesn't happen by just sitting. It doesn't happen by just coming on Sunday. It doesn't happen by just saying, that was good, this was good. It happens by being doers of the word. And that's my prayer this morning. So I'm going to close just by praying that, Lord, I pray.